0: Turn to Exodus, the 12th chapter. As you turn there, I'm going to read one verse from the book of Hebrews that relates to this as we consider the next topic in our Hall of Faith messages. And today, we consider, by faith we kill. By faith we kill. Hebrews 11, and I'm going to read to you. Verse 28, and this is speaking of Moses still. Through faith, Moses kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. I want to read to you a connecting verse from Exodus, the 12th chapter and the 21st verse, as we see Moses giving the instruction to the children of Israel about what to do, now that God has told Moses what to do. And we're jumping in right at the end of their time, the children of Israel, their time in Egypt. They're about to go out. They're about to be born as a nation. And the last event to occur prior to their being birthed as a nation is the last plague that God sends. And it is the killing of the firstborn. And notice the language that Moses uses here so you'll understand why our topic today is by faith we kill. Verse 21 of Exodus 12. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. Notice the language. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop, that's some some sticky stuff, (laughs) And dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel, that's the above the door, and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door at the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door, and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. So, this is the companion verse. ...connected to Hebrews 11, where we're continuing to look at Moses and the acts of faith that Moses carried out. So it's very important for us to understand what Passover is. And in looking at Passover, it's almost so simple that you could misunderstand it. And we have to give a lot of credit to a particular man who was one of the first translators of the Bible into English prior to the King James translation... Because he's the one that coined the phrase Passover. His name is William Tyndale. And he was actually put to death for uh, translating the Bible into English. So what is the Passover? I tell you that this point in our study in the book of Hebrews, this is the clearest picture of Christ that you can get in the Old Testament. The absolute clearest picture. You can imagine that when God told Moses that this is how it's going to be, this is what you must do, this is what's going to bring you out. When God told Moses this, I know without question that Moses was thinking back through the history of time, back to the days of Abel, when Abel sacrificed the the lamb, the sheep. Back to the days of Abraham, when Abraham went up on the mountain And Isaac was laid down on the altar, and God held that up and substituted a lamb, a ram, instead. You see, this is the clearest picture of Christ prior to Christ's coming that you can get. And the clearest picture that these patriarchs would have had that we have studied. So I want you to see that Christ is so clearly in this scene of the Passover. Now, I you can go back and look at it yourself, but you can see Christ in all the other examples that we've looked at. Whether it's the Ark of Noah, the Deliverance Ark of Noah, that you can see it. It's kind of fun to go back and look through and find Christ in those examples. You can find him. But in this example here, it could be nothing plainer. nothing. You don't have to stretch your mind at all and think, well, where's Christ in this Passover? This is the clearest picture of Christ. Now I want you to think about the Passover as we consider this unique word, the word Passover that was coined by Tyndale. Tyndale he was, he was a, a great linguist. He was one that was able to, uh, a great translator. And so, for example, he's the one that coined the word atonement. And if you look at the word atonement, it literally means at one-ment, coming back together. The, the word itself, at, A-T, and then tone, T-O-N-E, and then mint, M-E-N-T, at one-ment. That's what atonement means. If you've ever been confused about atonement, that's what it means. Tyndale came up with several key words, two of which atonement and Passover. You see, the Hebrew word was not in the English. It was not as clear as what uh, they would have understood in the Hebrew. So for us, the word Passover, and by the way, this is interesting. When Tyndale coined Passover, it became a, eventually became a universal word even among the Jews. <laughs> To this day, they celebrate Passover. They use the, if they speak English, they use the word Passover. Some of the other words that they use in Hebrew would be Seder and other things like that. The Pasak or the Paschal, Lamb, things like that, that. But for us, in English, it's Passover. Now, here's the interesting thing about the word Passover. It's a unique word. Because if you notice, Moses said, he called the elders together and he says, Draw out a lamb and kill the Passover. That's the first time they'd heard that word. So, you know, if you had been an Israelite and you heard him say that, draw out a lamb and kill the Passover. Now, he goes on and he says the Lord will pass over you. But what would you associate the word Passover with if he said, draw out a lamb and kill the Passover? Would you connect those two, Passover and lamb? I think you would. He says, draw out a lamb and kill the lamb kill the passover you see the actual victim itself the lamb itself is is known as the passover lamb you see so the word has a rich and i said it has a double meaning but it actually has like a triple and even more than that kind of meaning because if you refer to the passover you could be referring to the actual lamb that was sacrificed the victim If you refer to the Passover, you might be referring to the Lord passing over the houses of the Israelites that had the blood on it. Or you might be actually just saying, referring to the actual festival. The Passover is coming. Now, put it in a little bit better perspective. Think of a festival that we uh, experience today. It's Christmas. It comes from a Catholic word, Christ Mass. But think about it. The the actual name, Christmas it gives you the idea of what's going on at Christmas. It has something to do with Christ. <laughs> and then you think about the festival. Most of us think about, you know, giving and mainly getting gifts. But but the true meaning of Christmas, the festival of Christmas, is has to do with Christ. You see, it's got a, more than just the actual event. It tells you about a person. So Passover told you more than just about a festival or an event. It told you about what was going to happen. There was going to be a victim that would have to be celebrated around this this Passover. Now we don't normally associate killing something with a festival, do we? <laughs> you know, we don't think about killing something as a festive time. But in this situation here with the Passover, it was a very festive time and it involved a killing. It says by faith Moses killed the Passover. Now The Passover, it actually points to the victim, and it points to the festival, and it points to the passing over, and it points to the time of year. (laughs) You see, it's just a big circle there that just keeps getting richer and richer and richer if you see what it means. Now think about the time of year also. It was the month in the Hebrew tongue known as Abib. Which is what we know today as April. And the Lord comes along in the first part of Exodus 12. If you want to turn back a page over. It says that the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt and said, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. And you know to this day in the Jewish calendar, April is the new year. That's when the new year begins. Why? Because of the Passover. (laughs) You see, God comes and see God can reset the calendar because he's God. You know, what what if I was to say, well, you know, I'm going to establish a McCool tradition and June the 1st is going to be the new year for the McCool calendar. How long do you think that would last? (laughs) My kids would be like, yeah, okay, and daddy's lost his mind again. (laughs) You see, I'm not God, (laughs) but God is God and God can reset the calendar. And what better time and place to reset the calendar than when God is about to birth a nation in one night? April is going to be your first of the year. And it's because of the Passover. It's when they came out of Egypt. Now, when we say kill the Passover, are y'all with me? It refers to the actual victim. And who was the victim of the Passover? It was the lamb, right? This was a time not just of killing something and coming out of Egypt. It was a time of celebration. The actual word that we have for festival today comes from the word for feast. If you add one letter to festival, you get feastable. Are y'all with me? So this is a festive time. Isn't it amazing that on one hand in Egypt, they were mourning and complaining and crying out in anguish. And in the houses of the Israelites where the blood was, there was a festival, a feastable going on. And this was a festival like no other. The word used in the Hebrew is only technically used For the Jewish Passover, the festival or the victim, or uh, the actual passing over by God. Now this is interesting to me. The root word of Passover means to hop, skip over, or spare. It means to hesitate. So if you can get that in your mind, literally the destroyer, the angel of death, would hop or skip over the houses on which the blood was applied. It made me think of hop, skip, and jump. You know, that's probably, I think it's from a Dick and Jane book. <laughs> but to hop, skip, or jump, that's what God did, literally, whenever He approached the houses of the Israelites. You see, the entire region was under the penalty of death. You understand, it was not, okay, well, the Israelites have been good, and they're just, you know, they're better looking than the Egyptians, or they act nicer than the Egyptians, or they, you know, they keep uh, the, the laws of God, you know, better than the Egyptians. No, a thousand times no. You see, that's not how salvation works. They were all under judgment. God said, if you don't put the blood on your house, then the destroyer will come into your house. See, they were all under the sentence of death. The firstborn was going to be taken. taken. So I asked us today, are we today, are we killing the Passover? You say, well, you mean we got to go back and... Carry out the Seder and the, and the different functions and things that they do that we're about to talk about? No. The New Testament says that Christ is our Passover. Are we sacrificing? That's what kill means. Are we sacrificing? Are we rejoicing? Are we celebrating? Are we having a festival? Are we having a festival with the Lord Jesus Christ? Because I tell you, with Christ, when you see what Christ has done for you, it's a Passover every day. <laughs> Literally. When you see what Christ has done for you and you spend time meditating and thinking about about Christ, it's a wonder that the judgment of God doesn't come down on me every day. I deserve it. I'm under the judgment of death, but because of the blood, the Lord hops, skips, and jumps over me. Isn't that great? (laughs) Are we observing the Passover? I want you to think about their emphasis. In the 12th chapter, you can read about what the Lord said. He says, This month shall be the beginning. It's April. It's the beginning. And he says, speak to all the congregation that on the 10th day of the month, April, we'll say it was April, it was in the general time frame. It might have been a few days off of April 10th. But in on the 10th of Abib, you will take the best lamb a year, a, a lamb in the flock that's been there a year, a male, and put him up. Bring him, and, and literally, it meant in those days, bring him into your house. Think about in the days of David when Nathan went to David and said, there was a man who had a ewe lamb. That lamb ate at his table. It, it rested in his arms. Literally, the lamb was brought into the house. And it was petted, and it was loved, and it was cared for. And it was the prettiest lamb of the flock. I've, I've given you this example before, but I can't imagine back when Dad was alive. You know, this never happened. Hey, I can't imagine Dad going out and looking at those black Angus cattle and finding a year-old Uh, a calf, a male, and saying, man, that's the prettiest one in the whole flock. Now, let's bring him home. Let's keep him up for four days, and then we're going to sacrifice him. (laughs) No, he was looking at the, the best of the flock to send them to market and sell. You see, that's normal. This is so abnormal in the sense of our natural thinking. To take the best one of the flock and bring it in and pet it and love it and feed it and take care of it and then kill it. But that's what God said. You Remember, remember don't forget, to, I don't want to re-preach this sermon. But you remember the sermon I preached uh, maybe a year ago or so on the Lord calling in the debt of the firstborn. You see, these people in this culture understood everything was owed to God. And if he wanted to call in the debt, the pledge of the firstborn to say, I'll take your firstborn and that way the rest of you get spared, God has a right to do that. We just don't have that mentality of that culture, you see. So when God told Abraham, rise up, go to the mount, sacrifice your son, Abraham didn't say, what? And God didn't say, take Sarah. That would have been very strange. No, he said, take your firstborn. God's calling in the dead. God's calling in the dead on Egypt. Are y'all with me this morning? He's calling in the dead. He's saying, I'm taking the firstborn, but I will hop, skip, or jump over the houses of those on whom the blood has been applied. I don't think you can get a, bit, a better picture. Now, I'm probably doing a terrible job explaining it, but I don't think you can get a clearer picture of Christ in that. It says in the 14th verse of Exodus 12, God says, this day shall be unto you for a memorial. The word memorial means memento. Watch, it says, you shall keep it as a feast. That's, a, as I said, a feastable or a celebration. Throughout your generations, you shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. That ordinance means a statute or a custom. You see, God implemented something that even to this day in the Jewish community is still observed. And it was 3,500 years ago. You talk about a validation of Scripture, a validation of history, a validation of God's sovereignty. Even to this day, among the Jewish community, they observe the Passover. Now listen, we are spiritual Jews, (laughs) All of us as as born again children of God, we are spiritual Jews and we observe and kill the Passover too. That's what we're doing here this morning. You've had to kill some things to get here. And I don't mean your kids because they weren't getting ready fast enough. Although sometimes that's a temptation. (laughs) You've had to kill some things to get here. You've had to kill time doing something else. You've had to kill uh, uh, other opportunities that you may have had. You see, you had to kill something to get here. It's a (laughs) trade-off. And I want you to know God is worthy for the killing of whatever you have to kill, and that means sacrifice. Sacrifice means kill. Whatever you have to sacrifice, God's worthy of that sacrifice. Now, He says in verse 26 of this same chapter, Exodus 12. This is Moses talking now. Moses comes to him after God tells him what to do. And he says, it's time to kill the Passover. Draw out a lamb and kill the Passover. And look at verse 26. It says, it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, what mean ye by this service? Moses says, down the road, after you've left Egypt, many years have gone by, and you come into the promised land, your children are going to ask you, Daddy, Mama, what does this mean? Why do we bring in the best of the flock, the little uh, lamb, the little male lamb, the best of the flock? And, and I love him. He's cute. We pet him. And we've got to kill him. Can you all imagine how? Oh, listen, I've got uh, I've got one in my house that is a definite cat lover. <laughs> she's got plenty of cats around the house. And I cannot, and I joke all the time. I'm like, she's like, let's get another kitten. And I'm like, well, we've got to kill all some of those others first. <laughs> I'm just joking, of course. <laughs> But I cannot imagine if we had a little male lamb, which by the way, a lamb is way cuter than a cat, but anyway I i 'm not tracy i 'm not advocating getting a lamb again, but i can 't imagine if I brought that cute little fuzzy furry lamb into the house, and my little Lila got attached to that lamb and petting him and loving him and holding him, walking around with him it's shedding on her, I guess they shed i don 't know but And then I say, "Okay, honey, now we got to kill it." You, I mean, we're talking about a meltdown. (laughs) You talk about a meltdown, and y'all picture that. This was an intimate experience. You see, there's joy and there's sadness. So on this very night, on the birth night of a nation, the fathers, maybe a mother too, the fathers go out to the flock, and they look and they say, "Here's the best one." Here's the best one. This is on April the 10th. And they bring that into the house. They feed it. They take care of it. They groom it. They pet it. They love it. That little lamb doesn't know what's coming. Now get get this. Then the Lord says in the evening of the 14th day. In the evening. You know what the Jews consider to be the evening? Three o'clock. Are y'all with me? You Bible readers, are you with me? Three o'clock in the afternoon, kill the lamb. Roast him with fire. Not a bone would be broken. Y'all picture those folks sitting around their table, and they've got that lamb roasting in the fire. You can see his little legs turned over, his face, his head down, and he's just roasting in the flames, cooking him whole. I'm sure he's been gutted and so forth, but they're cooking him whole. Not a bone is broken. And when he's ready, when he's done, the Lord says, eat it. Eat it all. Can y'all picture that little Lila? Can y'all picture that little Lila in that house? She's been petting that little baby lamb. She's been loving it. She's been taking care of it. Now she's eating it. This was an intimate experience. Three o'clock in the afternoon, they kill it. They put it on the fire. They roast it. They look at it. The Lord said to eat it. Eat it all. And if there's any piece, if there's any meat left by the morning, He says, you roast the rest of that in fire. Burn it up. There's nothing left. (laughs) Oh, our Lord is specific and glorious, isn't He? (laughs) There'll be nothing left of the blood. There'll be nothing left of the meat. Not a bone would be broken. And He says, while you're there, Drink the wine and eat the unleavened bread and the bitter herbs that come with it. You say, what's the bitter herbs mean? I tell you, whenever you see what Christ has done for you in one sense, in one sense it is bitter to think about the the sacrifice that He had to go to where His flesh was roasted in the fires of men. But even more so than that, in the fires of God's judgment. He was roasted in the flames. And he suffered the wrath of God at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And by the way, it says in the Scripture, not a bone of him would be broken. When they came to touch him to see if he was dead, and they stuck the spear in his side and blood and water gushed out, they noticed they were going to break the legs of the others, and they did. But they didn't break his legs. I tell you, all the angels in heaven would have come forward. All of the wrath of God would have fell upon the earth and upon the universe if they tried to break a bone of his son. They can only go so far in doing what they did. God said you take that lamb, you put that lamb in the fire and you roast it and then you eat the flesh of that lamb. And if there's anything left, you burn it in the morning and then you come out free from bondage. Isn't that glorious? I tell you, if you can't see Christ in that, you may have blinders on. (laughs) It's one of the clearest pictures of Christ I've ever seen. I rejoice in it. It makes me want to celebrate, but it's also bitter, isn't it? Mixtures of joy and sorrow daily I pass through. I tell you, I have joy when I think of the sacrifice that Christ made and spared me from my sins. And I have sorrow in thinking what I put him through because of my sins. You see, they gathered around that table. No doubt, tears were shed. And no doubt, no doubt, as they sat there and they feasted on the Lamb. They had their clothes on. They weren't fixing to go to bed. They had their clothes on. He says, "Be girded, be ready. You're coming out. It was a last meal in Egypt. <laughs> That's something, isn't it? It was a last meal in Egypt." And around midnight, it says that the destroyer, which was, I believe, Jesus Christ himself, the the destroyer, the angel of death, went throughout the city there in Egypt, the the country of Egypt. And when the angel of death came to the door, listen, he came to the door of every house in Egypt. He came to the door of the children of Israel in the land of Goshen. He came to the door of the Pharaoh. It says that he came to the door of the dungeon. He came even to the door of the cattle. He even took the firstborn of the cattle in Egypt. And not one of the Israelites perished that night. But in every single house that did not have the blood applied, it says there was not one house that was found where there was not one person dead. And around midnight, a cry went up in the land of Egypt as the children of Israel continued to feast on the lamb. They were safe and sound, covered by the blood. But there was a cry in Egypt, a mourning, a moaning, a lament in Egypt because there were dead ones from the house of Pharaoh all the way down to the dungeon. The firstborn were dead, they were killed. God had called in the dead, but where the blood was, He didn't call in the dead. He hopped, skipped, and jumped over. Isn't that glorious? It says in verse 42 of Exodus 12. Excuse me. uh, We skip it over to um, Exodus thirteen. Oh no, I'm sorry. Exodus twelve and forty-two. Listen to what, what what Moses says. It is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is the night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel and their generations. This night was to be much observed. I tell you, brothers and sisters, whether you realize it or not, we still observe that night when the Lord passed over the children of Israel because of the blood. Moses says in Exodus 13 and verse 3, once again, he says, This is the night you come out of Egypt. Draw out a lamb and also you will... um," Let me just read it. I don't want to butcher it. He says in verse 3, And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which ye came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. Leaven was a picture of sin. This day ye came ye out in the month of Abib. Look at verse 14. And it shall be when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What is this that thou shalt say unto him, By strength of hand the Lord brought us out from Egypt, from the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh would hardly let us go that the Lord slew all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all that open to the matrix of the womb being males, but all the firstborn of my children I redeem. Don't you know that Moses understood how God had called in the debt? And yet here was a system that had been put in place where they were guaranteed that God would not call in the debt. And all they did was sacrifice that lamb. They continued to sacrifice that lamb. And they knew while they were sacrificing that lamb, eating the flesh of that lamb and putting the blood of that lamb on the doorpost, they knew. God will never call in that death pledge. He'll never call it in the firstborn. And to this day, to this day, it's still around. So get this now. When they looked at the lamb roasting in the fire, and when they partook of the lamb, they thought of the Lord passing over them. Today, Are we killing the Passover? Are we sacrificing the Passover in a way that pleases God by looking at the Lamb? (laughs) Today, brothers and sisters, we have full knowledge of of Christ, our Passover. In the book of 1 Corinthians, it says that Christ is our Passover. Every day, God is hopping, skipping, and jumping over us because of the blood of Christ. Listen, today we celebrate Christ, our Passover. He's our festival. Christ is our Passover. He's the victim. Our Christ, the Passover is the skipping over. Christ the Passover is the one that helped that causes us to avoid judgment. Can you picture the Father in the annals of time from Psalm 51 Psalms 53, Psalms 14, can you picture the Father looking down through time upon the flock of mankind? and there's none there there's none righteous, there's no not one because of the sin of Adam and so he can find no sufficient lamb, no sufficient sacrifice to pay for the sins of man so he looks to his Son. The ultimate Lamb of God. And to this the Son agreed. I'll pay for their sins. You see, we should be celebrating that on a daily basis. Romans 12 and 1 says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's a misnomer, isn't it? That's, That's a puzzle, isn't it? A living sacrifice. To sacrifice means to kill. How can we be a living killing? It's because we present our bodies to the Lord. The Lord doesn't command us to kill ourselves. The Lord commands us to follow Him, honoring the killing of Himself by killing off things in our lives that are hindering us from seeing more clearly the Lamb of God and the blood of Christ. 1 Corinthians 5 and 7 says, Purge out therefore the old leaven. You got any old leaven? You got any sin you need to purge out? You can do it. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how you've lived. Because Christ has purged your sins on the cross, you can purge out the leaven. You can turn from that. He says that you may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Are you keeping the feast? Not with the old leaven. Neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. You hold any ill will in there in those little dark recesses i speak whereof i know we all have malice we all have jealousy we all have issues we all deal with these things and paul says purge them out how by looking to christ the passover you can look at what that person did you can look at what that person said you can look how upset or jealous you might be of this or that but look to the lamb that's how you purge that out you see are you keeping the feast of the Passover by purging out the leaven, by purging out the malice, by purging out the wickedness? You got any ill will that you need to kill? <laughs> that kind of rhymes. I need to kill my ill will. <laughs> but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Oh, brothers and sisters, parents, are we killing the Passover to our children? Is Christ a memorial in our house? Is there a festival? <laughs> Is there a festival to the Christ, the Passover on a regular basis? Is there an ordinance or a statue in our house that statute in our house that says, "This is Christ. This is the Passover. This is how, why we do what we do. This is why we kill certain things and we don't do this or we don't do that." Or is the destroyer in your house? Are you the destroyer? Am I the destroyer? I think sometimes I am. I go ranting and raving about this, that, or the other. And I think, you know, when I look back on it, I'm like, I, I'm the destroyer. I'm the one that's, that's killing the joy here. When I ought to be killing the Passover, I ought to be sacrificing to the Lord. I don't know what you struggle with, but I'll tell you this the Lord knows what you struggle with. I don't have to know what you struggle with. I'll just give you a little silly example of my own. I like what Brother Chris said heard him preach it several times. He says, you know, we only struggle with two or three, maybe four or five sins, specific sins throughout our life. And that's true. That's absolutely true. Two or three things that come back and vex you on a regular basis. Yours might no doubt be different from mine. Mine will be unique and different from yours. But one of the things that I struggle with, I love to watch TV. I love it. I love to watch TV. I love to watch movies. I love to, you know, think, and listen, now, you know, I can take this little device and I could just lay down in the bed and stick it right in front of my face and become a zombie for hours upon end. You know, but I live and, and that would be absolutely wrong, okay, for, to do that. To just spend, all, to, just, to kill my time on something like that, that that's so useless and pointless. Okay, so it's okay to do a little of it, right? We, we believe in moderation. <laughs> so, and I've got a dear wife that she likes to go to sleep early and so she can't have any light in the room. So there's a conflict there, you know, because that's got a little light. I turn it all the way down. And, and I, sometimes at night, I just like to look at something funny. You know, my mind's swirling in different circles, and I just got to shut my mind down. And just, you know, it might be Bugs Bunny. It might be, you know, some old clip from something that I thought was funny. I, I mean, I, I just shuts my mind, and I can just go, <laughs> you know, just kind of be dumb for a minute. But, it, but it, it'll keep Sister Tracy awake. And I have let that go so far in my own life at times that I'd get up the next morning and i think, how dumb was I for staying up later than I normally should? I feel convicted from the Spirit of God. It convicts me, and I'm like, i got to get a hold of this. So I don't have enough willpower to keep my phone and my iPad plugged in by my bed. So to kill that to me, I still watch it some, but to kill that, I've had to take that and move it somewhere else in the house. So I can't just reach down and get it, you know, and I'm, I'm too tired in the middle of the night when I wake up to get up and go get it. So it stays over there and Sister Tracy just sleeps like a at peace, you know, without the light. Turn the light off. <laughs> hey, look, I'm just being honest with you, and that may be a silly example, but there, whatever it may be with you, by God's grace and by looking at the lamb, you can kill it. You kill it. it might, hey, listen, what I just read from you from 1 Corinthians, they had a terrible issue with sexual sin in that church. That's what he's talking about in 1st Corinthians. A horrible public scandal that was going on in that church. The Apostle Paul said, you can kill it. You can kill it. And I don't mean killing the people. I don't mean that. But you can kill the issue. You can kill the sin. You can repent of it. You can turn from it. People say, well, I just, this is just the way that I am. I just can't help how I am. Yes, you can. Don't tell another lie like that on Jesus Christ. If Jesus did what He did for you, there's nothing that you can't kill. By faith we kill. If there's one or more here that would like to follow the Lord, maybe killing some pride or killing some past belief that doesn't maybe jibe with the Scripture anymore, we give you that opportunity to come forward and make that known as you observe the Passover by being baptized.